Welcome in, friends. Welcome to episode number three of Consider the Source. I am your host, Clay Scruggs. I want to address something before we get started. We posted an episode earlier today with Jonathan Finley about youth sports in America and wrestling and stuff like that. Uh, And it was recorded yesterday. And I recorded this one today. And I was going to post it tomorrow and kind of have two shows this week for you guys to listen to and kind of digest and stuff. But I decided as I was editing this one that it was just too good not to post it. So uh, for the first time, possibly the only time, hopefully the only time, we're going to have two shows in one day. I'm going to post. go ahead and post this one, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's really insightful. It's really inspiring and compelling and stuff, so I really think you guys will like it. So getting into this episode, my guest today is someone that I personally played football for. My brother played football and baseball for him. He's known him for a very long, we've known him for a very long time. He's an absolutely down-to-earth cool guy he um has really transpired or transformed himself as a coach as a person throughout the time i've known him he's one of the more motivational guys that i've ever met and that i've ever been around and he's just really cool and we had a great conversation we talked about fatherhood we talked about him bouncing coaching and his family and stuff like that we talked about rebuilding a baseball team after losing some great guys this past year uh is Coach Josh Batchelor out of Blacksburg High School in Blacksburg, South Carolina. Uh, he actually coached our very first guest here on the podcast, Jay Andrew Gore. Uh, it's, it's a really fun conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's so far of the three that we've done. I think it's the best podcast that we've done so far. And I hope you guys enjoy it uh, just half as much as I did. And I think you'll be thoroughly entertained. So without further ado, Coach Josh Batchelor. There we go, and we're live. Welcome to episode number three of Consider the Source. I am your host, Clay Scruggs, as always. Today we have a very special guest, someone I've looked forward to talking to. Um, really kind of upset it took me three episodes to get him in here. Uh, coach Josh Batchelor. He was a coach of mine in high school. Coach me and my brother is very influential to both of us, even though we, we admit at times, you know, he, he, uh, sometimes we hated his guts, but as uh, – <laughs> As we kind of went on and became grown men, we really appreciate his influence. And he's one of the most motivational people that I know. You can catch him on all social media, uh, usually with some sort of motivation to start off your morning. Uh, Coach, we really appreciate you coming in today. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me. Uh, I know it's uh, we've been kind of playing cat and mouse, trying to get back in, you know, in touch with each other and be able to get uh, get this thing squared away. But, man, I'm happy to do it. Right. Well, someone like you with your schedule, you know, coaching two sports and you have a family and all that and I have a family and working and stuff like that I, I understand it's, it's kind of hectic so I'm uh I'm not mad about it I understand but right. it kind of want to start you know the future for you guys baseball is incredibly bright for people that don't know you're the offensive coordinator for the Blacksburg High School football team but you're the head coach for the baseball team uh when I look at you guys team after this past year i'd say the future is as bright as ever yeah man you know a lot of people are always about you know the here and now and you know what what have you done for me lately especially in in coaching and i'm evaluated by a scoreboard 
and I get that. Um, but, but in reality, you know, we're just trying to, we're trying to get kids who, um, who will buy into our system and do what we ask them to do and try to teach them about life, but hopefully win some baseball games along the way. But, you know, as far as talent goes, I mean, we've got a lot of kids coming back that can flat play the game. Um, you know, of course we lost, we lost a bunch, uh, this year. And, uh, that's what it's about at these smaller schools, uh, to a high school, you know, you're not going to be, you're not gonna be able to be loaded year in and year out, but we have been just that the past two years and came up short the past two years. And, uh, part of that's, part of that's coaching and, uh, you know, not, not getting our job done, but proud of our kids this past year to come in and just, uh, fault tooth and nail every single game, even to the last out there in Andrew Jackson, but, as far as the future is concerned, you know, we got um, Coach Norman down there with our JVs does a great job. Uh, we coach them together for the most part in practice. And so that's something I implemented like year two um, where I can kind of coach. I can kind of keep my hands on kids, you know, from the time they enter our program in the seventh grade until until they leave us in the 12th grade. And so we're all speaking the same language. Uh, we're all doing the same drills. We're all working together. You know, and, and it's it, it's helped us become a little more seamless in, in, in transition years like we're going to have this next year where you're going to have a lot of new faces. Uh, but, you know, these kids are used to it. They're used to uh, uh, taking feeds from from varsity guys or whatever when we go through drills. So, you know, at any given time, you could have your varsity starting shortstop, uh, throwing the ball to your second baseman who's a seventh grader, turning double plays with your, you know, your JV first baseman. So it's uh, – it's been one of those things where we, we've tried to make it to where it's a program and not just a baseball team, if that makes sense. But, um, but yeah, the future is extremely bright. Um, got a couple guys back this year that we really relied on on the mound. And, you know, everybody talks about Kirby, and, and you can't say enough about a kid like Kirby, uh, Connell, on his way to Tennessee. And, you know, Division One guy transferred in and, and really just kind of kind of became a dude that we could just say, hey, man, go win us a ball game. Um, but then, you know, we had Jackson and, and Cole Buckner who stepped out there and, and did their thing too, you know, and, and we didn't lose a ball game in the month of April and Kirby couldn't pitch all those, you know, so those other guys stepped up and, and did their job. And so we're, yeah, really excited about the future. Right. Uh, I know that's one thing that I've kind of looked at and you, you know me, I'm very vocal and I'll argue with the stop sign, but, right. uh, you know, I heard a lot of people saying stuff about, Blacksburg being a one-man team and there was someone on Facebook or Twitter I think it was that said that whenever we won district you know you guys won district for the second straight year and Mm -hmm. someone said you know like that's good and all but you can't win state with a one-man team and I like my rebuttal to them was come on like he can only pitch one game out of that whole district deal he pitched a couple innings in the last one but you know like that really hits me the wrong way i'm sure it does you too to a degree but you you have a little bit more of an ability to let that kind of stuff roll off your back but what what how does it kind of affect you as a coach losing guys like ethan mclean and kirby and you'll have to run down the rest of the seniors i they slipped my mind i know tyler morrison was one i think and uh jeremy wright so Mm -hmm. how does that kind of affect you having to kind of rebuild without those guys that you relied on for so long you become so close with yeah well one thing that i've learned is that you you don't ever replace guys you know what i mean um i mean like lane crow uh we batted him in the eight hole this past year 
and Lane Lane was probably he probably weighed 135 145 pounds he might have been 5'8 but he would fight you tooth and nail when he got in that box and he would flat go get it when you hit it in the air uh locked up left field for us you know Jeremy was a kid who we were high on early in his career and then he got hurt um two years in a row one back injury one knee injury and so um he wasn't able to play the years that we, you know, we, we wanted him to. And then he came back in his senior year, steps back in the DH role and just, you know, flat mashes the baseball. Um, and, and Tyler Morrison, man, you can't say enough about a kid like that who for his whole career, all he did was make plays. He started out kind of rocky this past year, but, but man, he turned into the Tyler of old is what I, t- I told him. I was like, man, you're just, you're the dude I remember now. And so, uh, like I say, we had, we struggled out of the gate month of March, kind of tough, you know, getting your basketball kids out late. But then down the stretch, we didn't lose a game in April, uh, played really well in May and, and came up short. Um, we did enough on the mound um, to win ball games when Kirby wasn't pitching. Uh, we just lost a couple close ball games. And um, we, the way we had our arms set up was to go beat Landrum. We had we had to have Kirby. Uh, to go do that and uh, so we were trying to throw throw our other guys to get there and and like I say we did enough on the mound the mound wasn't what hurt us we had a couple plays where we threw the wrong base or you know gave up an infield hit that shouldn't have been that kind of thing Um, and and just came up short but yeah you don't replace seniors man it's it's uh I've learned the, the more I do this that um, you, you know, every kid's going to be different. And so you just try to, you try to manage the, what people would call down years. And, uh, you know, you're just, you're just going to have to play the hand you're dealt. Um, and, and, and I've had to do an, a, a lot better job of trying to develop arms and, and, you know, and never say, Oh, this kid can't pitch because, you know, if you talk about a kid, like I think Tyler Cobb would probably be the, the type of kid that I think of when I saw him as a sophomore, when I took over, I told Tyler, I was like, bro, you'll never do anything other than play first base. And by the time he's a senior, the kid's grown like three inches. He's like 6'3", fastest kid on the team, bats in the three-hole, four-hole, something like that, and just can flat rake and uh, locked up sec- uh, shortstop for us. So, uh, you know, I've tried to say, hey, you know, no kid, no kid is unreachable. You know, if we keep them, we think they can play for us, then we need to find a place for them to play. And so, you know, it's, it's about managing – um, that talent when they're young and trying to, you know, to produce it as they get older. And the weight room has been a big part of that as well. So. Right. I, I know you've always put a lot of emphasis on the weight room. So I, I see where you guys are working out as a baseball team in the weight room. And uh, I know that's a big part of it. And I know you guys are lifting during the season and stuff. And Cause I remember a video that you posted of Alex Phillips. And I wanted to ask you, is he the fastest kid you ever coached? Uh, by far the fastest kid I've ever coached in baseball. Um, you know, some of those other kids that we had early in my career, uh, the Nick Hames, the Chase Hames of the world, uh, you know, they, they, they would have been quick kids and I would have loved to seen them, but you know, Alex is not even, he's not even, even of age yet. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's a rising junior and he can just flat go, um, really excited about that guy. But yeah, man, we, we lived in season, out of season, um, I've I've done a lot of research and and, and tried to to work to to network with guys who really know what's going on in the game, 
And, uh, you know, when I played, they told us that if you, if you lift weights, it would hurt your arm. You wouldn't be able to throw as hard. And I think if you look throughout the major leagues and, and, and the college level, you see that that's, that's a falsehood. That's not correct. And so as long as you're doing um, the right things, uh, you know, then the weight room is, is the best place for you to be. And, and we try to train smart. You know, we don't train every day. Um, we try to work about three days a week and uh, especially out of season. And, and really get after it. And in season, we're kind of limited, you know, one to two days a week. And, and it's really about trying to, uh, to, to work hard to, to uh, you know, maintain what we've got. But we, we, we kind of believe that you don't maintain, uh, you either get stronger or weaker. And so, you know, we're, right. still, push, we're still pushing the envelope even in season. Um, but, yeah, it's been a huge part of what we do. And, and I think when you look at kids like Ethan McLean, who when he came in was just kind of like a chunky, tall kid, um, and he bought in the weight room and he kind of slimmed up and of course he grew some and, uh, kids, kids mature as they do. And, and he worked hard in the weight room and you start seeing a lot, you know, fly balls, uh, fly out of there with some authority. So that's always exciting to see when a kid works hard and it pays off for him. Right. Yeah. Ethan McLean really kind of captured me as a player this year. You know, last year, I think, uh, and the year before, I want to say, I only missed probably five combined baseball games and hardly ever miss a basketball game. But this year, working the third shift as my day job, uh, it kind of limited us a little bit. But it always kind of blew my mind how at that level in high school, you know, you see it a lot in majors and college and stuff like that. But blew my mind how at any time, one pitch, Ethan McClain could take it and change the entire game. Like when he hits the grand slam against uh, Buford, uh, he hit the home run at home against uh, uh, who was that? Abbeville. Abbeville, that was it. Yes, Abbeville. Uh, yeah. And that both of those totally changed the game. Like without those, you know, you kind of wonder what happens in a game like that. So I'm sure a guy like him had to be special to you. Yeah, for sure. And and to be a guy who, as his sophomore, well, as his junior year, he was putting time at first base. He wasn't our starter. And, uh, you know, everything that our guys get, you know, they earn. And so he stepped out there and uh, I think he ended up earning the job somewhere halfway through the year. I want to say after St. Joe's game is his junior year. And, and he stepped there, out there and just, uh, you know, did a tremendous job for us. And the biggest thing for Ethan was mentally he, he, he matured. And so um, he was a young guy, man. He used to get so – he would be so tore up. Um, and upset out of, you know, out of striking out his first at bat. And the older he got, the more he realized, hey, you know, if you play his game, you're going to strike out. And uh, for him, um, he, he became one of the hottest guys we had. I think he ended up hitting like 389, drove in something like 30-something uh, runs. Um, you know, some of those, like you talked about, the big big swings against um, against Buford, the Grand Slam that we ended up winning 7-4. And at the time, I think it was kind of, you know, no big deal because it put us up by like seven to one. But then we, we kind of squandered a lead there and those four runs were huge. And uh, so, yeah. And then the Abbeville game, there was a storm coming and uh, that wind changed and he got it up in the jet stream and it would have been gone if the, if it was calm, but it was long gone in that wind. And so, yeah, he worked, he worked hard though, man. And you, you got a guy like him who uh, he plays it year round just about, you know, they, encourage highly encourage them to take time off and especially in the months of November December and he played basketball and so he was kind of you know out of it uh, a little bit then and 
but yeah, he it, it was it was he was a special kid to watch because he literally came out of nowhere um, from splitting time as a junior to stepping in and being a dude um, his senior year. I think he uh, the, he got snubbed by the all state votes, um, but it, he he made all region, made all area. So those were those were huge things for him, and and happy for a guy like that. He's not done, you know. He's going to play at the next level, and so um, that that's that's a good thing to see. As a coach, you see a guy like that getting to move on and really feel like he's hitting his stride. Yeah, I, I remember, you know, in the game against Abbeville, was I was watching, you know, right behind home plate with Juicy and Jay Andrews and stuff, and I was just sitting there, and I was thinking, you know. I don't know if they're going to pitch to him. Well, they started pitching to him, and it was like bender after bender after bender. I was like, well, at least they're smart enough not to throw him a fastball. Mm-hmm. And the the pitch they hit out, as soon as it left the pitcher's hand, I was like, he threw him a fastball. <laughs> what? I was like, oh, yeah. my God. I couldn't believe it because I was – I know you were worried because at the time, you know, the storm was coming, and we we're, we we're past the, uh, the amount of innings where it, the game's official. So no right. matter what, the game's official, and – I, yeah. I was sitting there thinking, like, we're we're gonna lose, and this is this is how it ends for us. Like, we're gonna lose because of the rain, and we're right. sitting here poised to win this ball game. Right. And when he hits that home run to tie the ball game. It shifted. Like, I know we were at home, but Abbeville's fans and Eversport have always traveled well, and they're very loud and vocal. You know that from your time yeah. uh, coaching. So, you know, it, I could feel it sucked the entire life out of their side of the stadium as soon as he hit that. It was like, okay, we're in control now. And we went on to win. We talked about Alex Phillips. He hits that infield single to win the ball game. And yep. I, I know, like, you have to appreciate moments like that as a coach because, you know, if you if you never win another thing, I'm not saying that you won't because I think you will, but if you never win another thing as a baseball coach, you, you have to take stuff like that with you, I would think, like, and look back on it and be like, man, that, that was awesome. I'm glad I was a part of that. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing about uh, – I was telling somebody the other day, you know, as soon as we beat Abbeville, uh, there was that little bit of celebration, and then it was um, – then it was on to the next one. You know, you you got to worry about going to beat Andrew Jackson. And so, you, as a coach, you know, the kids get to enjoy it, but you, you don't really – you don't really enjoy it. And then when the season's over and you get a chance to kind of reflect and look back and you think, man, that was a lot of fun, you know. And um, uh, that was a senior – and is that and is you know what what could have been his last at bat, um, stepping up and doing a job uh, for for his guys. And the crazy thing about that is, about three year uh, three weeks prior, I had been using the idea of Jesus in the in the in the sm- in the bottom of the boat. Um, we, I used that in, in a devotion, and I talked about how when the storm is raging around you. Um, you have to remain calm. And, uh, you know, we talk about how that, how that equates to life because a lot of times things get hectic and they go crazy, but you've got to remain calm and, and be focused on what you're, you know, about your business. And, uh, but anyway, so we were, we talked about how the disciples were just kind of losing their mind, you know, in the deck of a boat. Uh, and, and they said they don't understand how Jesus could be asleep. Of course, we know he was God, but, uh, I kind of used that in a pregame devotion and, uh, and, <laughs> and then that night, the you know the wind is raging, the the storm is coming, and you know the your season's on the line. And that senior steps up, man, and he's calm, cool as a fan, and he hits that thing 
uh, you know, probably about 380, 390 out of there. And so um, it's it's always fun, like you say, when when you when you see those guys who kind of buy into what you're selling and uh and, and refuse to lose and to remain calm in that moment when he could have easily just said man this is it you know um and the crazy thing too is that kid's pitch count was up uh i kept thinking they were going to pull him like i couldn't believe he was still in uh but when you get that late in the season you know you got to win so you know if you don't win today it doesn't matter tomorrow and so he uh he left him in and, and, and that was his guy and i don't necessarily blame him for that but he you know, he left him in about one pitch too long, and Ethan wasn't done playing high school baseball that day. So, yeah, it's right. just it's a, it's a lot of fun to get to sit back and reflect on it when it's over. Now, if if I'm correct, this was your sixth year as a head coach, right? Yeah, yeah, this is year number six, and um, you know, we we played in our third, won our third district championship since I got here, and in thirteen, as far as being the head coach, I coached under uh, Coach Elliott for um, for two years prior to him um, retiring, and then. Uh, or I should say resigning because he, you know, he stayed with us, but, uh, you know, he's with the softball program. But, yeah, this is year six for me, so. Right. So that was – you kind of touched on what my next question was. This is year six or just finished year six. You've won mm-hmm. three district championships. How how do you stay grounded knowing the success you've had? Because Coach Elliott was successful, but it was, it was nothing like this. It was – it's almost getting to the point to where – I know you expect excellence out of your team. You always have since I've known you, but it's like everyone around you now is kind of starting to expect like, hey, we're we're really going to do something. I I told someone at the beginning of the year that they told me it was someone from Gaffney, but they said that they kind of wondered if last year was a fluke with Kirby and everything. I was like, look, man, we'll be in the upper state tournament again. I I don't care what you say. We'll be in the upper state tournament again, and we'll work. So – how, how do you keep yourself grounded to and, and expect excellence at the same time, if that makes any sense, given the success that you've had? Because I know it's never easy, but from the outside looking in, it almost seems easy. Like, hey, you know, Bachelor's got it figured out. Six years and three district championships, that's, that's nothing to laugh at. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the majority of coaching is about preparing athletes to go play. You know, I'm never more out of control than when they say play ball. And uh, while it looks like I kind of got a handle on everything, reality is, is that you, you have to you have to fall back on your training um, and and you have to you know, you have to get your kids ready to play the game. And so we we've been able to do that. I got a great staff um, and I've had I've been blessed with really good athletes. And uh, when you when you look back at some of the guys who were part of our success, you know, it would be foolish of me to say, Oh, look what I did or look, you know, look at me or, or what I've been able to accomplish. And um, reality is, is that if those guys don't go play, it doesn't really matter what I do. And, uh, you know, I can I can train um, the same way or, you know, and, and we had two years there where we didn't even make the playoffs after 15 when we won one of uh, the first district that had been won in something like 16, 17 years, something like that. And uh uh, th- those kids were a special group with Alex Rains and Nick Dixon and Jake Moore and Tyler Ledbetter and uh, guys like that. But but you know when they stepped out there and did what they did, I mean it comes down to it comes down to having guys that can play. And yeah, you know um, coaching plays a part of that. But if those guys don't go do it, man, um, there's not a whole lot I can do um, from you know from a from a third base dugout. And so I think that's what keeps me grounded is understanding that. 
yeah, I mean, you know, what we do works, but you also have to have DNA. You got to have dudes, and we've had dudes. Like, we've had really good kids, to pull, you know, as far as athletes go, but we've also had really good people, um, and, and that, to me, is is more important than, than having great baseball players. You know, if we win, if we don't win another ball game, but I can turn out guys who are going to go be good daddies um, and good fathers, then, then I'm doing my part, you know, and if they – they asked me to leave tomorrow. Uh, I, I know that I've done the absolute best I could do as far as, as, as trying to prepare dudes for life because, you know, in, in my time, and I've been coaching now, this is year 12, but in my time of coaching, I've coached one dude who played um, past college baseball, coached a number of kids who went on and played college baseball, but one guy who played past that, and that was Caleb Earls. And, um, you know, I think I, I did the math and I've coached over 200 and some odd kids in my time. And so, you know, that's a hundred and a hundred and, you know, 99 dudes then who went on and did something other than play baseball. And so, you know, that's what keeps me grounded is being able to say, Hey, it ain't about me. It ain't about women. It's about trying to prepare kids for life because they're all going to go get to do, do that. And so, right. Uh, yeah, that's been it for me. Um, the last thing that I kind of want to touch on uh, as far as this past season and then we'll move forward and get into your story and all, because your, your story is very compelling for people that don't know it. And I know most of Blacksburg does. But uh, yeah. before, before we get into that, the last thing I want to touch on is from this past year's playoffs was I got to the ballpark about 45 minutes early for the game against 96 where you guys won the district and locked mm-hmm. up that. Uh, and I got, and for people who aren't aware of how it works, you play, they move up the start time to five o'clock and mm-hmm. you play the first game and you guys were in the the winner's bracket. So if you win, it's over your district champions are going to upper state, body da. If you lose, right. then you play again at like seven thirty eight o'clock and it's winner take all. Right. And the loser goes home. The winner goes to upper state. Right. And when I got there, I, I, I always sit with Juicy and Jay Andrew, and I got there, and I set up mine and Kaylee's chairs, and I was just sitting there eating sunflower seeds, and they're not there yet, or they're out on the field, you know, helping you guys and stuff. And Jay Andrew comes back, and he's got this huge smile on his face. like looked like he was going to play or something. And I was like, what, what are you so excited about? And he was like, dude, you should have heard their devotion. And I was like, what are you talking about, man? And he was like, have you ever heard of – Hernan Cortez. I was like, yeah, General Cortez, you know, burn the boats. And I was like, and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he told that whole story in the devotion. He's like, he didn't even make out a second lineup for the game. Like, if we play again, he doesn't even have a lineup yet. And I was like, I guess he doesn't plan on losing, Jay Andrew. He's like, I know. Does that not get your blood pumping? And the more <laughs> I thought about it, I was like, yeah, it really does. Like, burn the boats. Like, let's just go out on our shield or whatever, you know, win or die. Yep. Kind That's of it. Uh, the General Cortez theory there. What? Where do you get? You know, I touched on at the beginning of the show how motivating you are on social media. Where, where do you get a lot of that? Because when I first met you, you weren't quite like that. You you were always vocal and kind of, for lack of a better term, high strung, and you you could channel kids' energy really well. But you, you weren't as motivating as you are now. Where, where did that come from? Yeah. Um... You know, when I first started, I was I was a little I would say arrogant. I would err on that side. Um, I was I was kind of in player mode uh, the first part of my career. Um, about 2013, I went through an ordeal where 
um, I tore my ACL um, doing some doing. <laughs> I was actually running scout team quarterback. Uh, I tore my ACL, uh, but at that time I had just graduated college, and uh, I, as a I got my master's degree, I should say, and um, was our defense coordinator, um, and, and had just been promoted to head baseball coach, uh, and, and so I was 28 years old, I believe. And I had life figured out, you know, like I knew everything that was going on. I was really smart, uh, knew, knew exactly what to do, knew everything uh, there was to know about everything. And uh, tore my ACL. I uh, had to spend some time at home on my back, you know, uh, looking up and really had to contemplate life. Um, uh, and, and, and I'll get on to my story in a minute. But to kind of get to your point, yeah, I didn't I didn't make a line up out. Uh, at all uh, as far as a second lineup I never had an intention of playing game two uh, I knew they were going to throw their best uh, uh, game one and try to go out there and beat us um, I knew we had just beat him like six nothing or something at their place and and, and coach Ellis does a great job he's won two state championships back to back and um, so I knew what we were getting um, he's a really good friend of mine but but we go out there, and I, I just told them, you know, I don't have another lineup. There is no plan B. We're going to win game one, and we're moving on, and that's it. And, uh, and you know, if we had lost, I'd, I'd had to get in the car and drive over to the school and try to print something out and get something going. I didn't, the way I do my lineups, I do them on the computer. So I didn't even bring lineup cards. Like, uh, and, and that was it. It was no no surrender, no return, and so or no retreat. So we're, we, were, we were going out there to win the ball game. And, uh, it, it, again, you know, I can say that. And uh, I can I can bring that to uh, to the pregame devotion. But if our kids don't buy in and they don't go out and they don't hit the baseball and they don't make all the plays, then all that's just, you know, good talk. And so uh, they went out and did it, man. And just, you know, um, it, it was it's fun to see. You know, it's fun to watch. Right. Yeah, it was fun to watch that. That whole thing was fun to watch. And after after Jay Andrew told me the story, of, which I've known the story of General Cortez for years. Right, uh, and after he told me that that was what you used for your devotion, I I kind of watched the game in a different light. Like I was, I was like, man, heck yeah! And that yeah. was kind of my mentality, even watching the game. Like, yeah, uh, burn the boats. Like, can't play game two. Don't have a lineup. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, all right, moving on from that, you know, we touched just for a second on your story, and your story is always like, your story is always kind of captivated me in a way. Uh, playing football for you and stuff, and I know Ryan played football for you and all, but uh, mm-hmm. and it's something we've always talked about was, uh, you know, you lost your father at a young age, and I, I know that that has to affect someone for the majority of their life because I have a close friend who lost his dad when he was eighteen, and you were younger than that. Uh, right. how, I guess kind of the grief version or whatever, whatever you want to share, kind kind of share your story with us because it's. For people who haven't heard it, it's something that I feel like people need to hear because, you know, sometimes, and I use a lot of fighting analogies on here because I'm a huge fight fan, but sometimes life hits you with a left hook, and you're the kind of guy that every time life hits you with a left hook, you come back with a straight right, and you, you kind of look it right in the face, and you just keep going, just like you were talking about your ACL injury and stuff like that, and you've never let, even when life dealt you a bad hand, you, you weren't holding pocket aces, you just kept going, and I think a lot of people can benefit from hearing stuff like that. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, oh, my dad was a, uh, 
was pretty successful uh, salesman. He, he sold life insurance and was pretty good at it. He, he was the type of guy I never really met a stranger. And so he could, uh, you know, he, he could, he could do some talking and, um, did a, a real good job being a salesman for, for a company there in, in Gaffney, uh, Liberty Life. And then, um, end up having a rent, had to go in for a back surgery, uh, due to, or a shoulder surgery due to, uh, due to the wreck that he was out running a debit route and, you know, picking up collections and that kind of thing. But, um, during that time he ended up getting addicted to prescription pills. And so, um, it pretty much, uh, from that point, our, our life kind of spiraled down and, uh, you know, he pretty much relied on, on those pills more so than anything ends up losing his job. At that time, we were living in a pretty nice house. We ended up moving to uh, a rental property that we were giving out. Uh, I mean, they were, we were renting out. And uh, hold on one second. Okay. Okay. My little boy was screaming. So, hey, you'll have to get that out. Um, but, uh, but no, yeah. So, we ended up moving into a, a rental property that we were renting um, that, you know, it was a single wide trailer. We ended up having to move in ourselves. And, it, it took over our lives. It consumed us. And, um, uh, I guess he fought, he, he fought prescription pills and made a lot of bad choices between the time that I would have been, uh, I want to say nine, uh, until he passed away when I was 12 and, um, ended up dying of a massive heart attack. Uh, you know, I don't know, uh, how much of that was due to the pills. I feel like it was a good bit of that because he wasn't, you know, just a, uh, extremely out of shape guy, you know, and to be 38 on top of that, it was, uh, it was tough. So, um, yeah, so I had to become the man of the house at an early age and, and, and kind of take control of things and be the leader. And I think, you know, sometimes people say leaders are born and, and some people say leaders are made. I think it's a combination for me. Um, you know, having to be the man of the house at 12, you kind of have to figure out some things. So I was in charge of making sure the oil got changed and tires got rotated and, uh, you know, making sure that the, the, the things that a man should do uh, was getting done because my mom really, you know, relied on my dad a lot. And so um, so losing him really, uh, it propelled me. You know, we lived in, I, I counted up one time, we've moved like 28, 29 times. I've lived in every trailer park in Cherokee County and, and Cleveland County. We've lived in housing developments and projects and um, a lot of that, you know, when I was er early on in my coaching career, it, it created some arrogance in me once I kind of got established as far as a coach is concerned and that bled over into how I coached, but it was like, look what I've done, you know, look at me and, and all the things that I've been able to accomplish. And, you know, nobody in my family had ever graduated college. Nobody in my family, you know, had ever got a master's degree. And, um, so I was kind of beating on my chest a little bit there early on. And probably when you guys came through, I wasn't the best example of how you should act and the things you should do. And, and, and that, you know, that comes with maturing too and, and, and doing the right things, uh, learning what the right thing is and what the wrong thing is. But, um, but yeah, it was just one of those things where uh, I had to constantly tell myself I was good enough because nobody ever believed it. You know, I had people coming up telling me I'd never be anything and, uh, never amount to nothing. And one, one teacher even told me that driving a trash truck would be, would be uh, too good. I would have to hang off the back. So it was, uh, you know, a constant battle of having to tell myself I belonged and I was good enough. And so, um, if there's one thing I've learned that I've tried to pass on to our kids, uh, you know, our, our, my baseball, football guys is, 
is that you should never allow your current situation to affect your future uh, situation. And so just because the way things are now doesn't mean that's how they always have to be. And, you know, uh, eating, you know, eating food off food stamps and, and that kind of thing when I was, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, uh, it, you know, it kind of shaped me and molded me to like, Hey, I don't want to, you know, I don't want my son to have to go through this. And so I don't, you know, I don't want my kids to have to, to, to do the same things I'm doing. And so, uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted so bad to be something, to be somebody. And so I, you know, I just kept fighting. And so I guess when you deal with so much at a young age, kind of get to your point or your question, um, when you, when you get, when you hit so many times, um, you learn how to just get up, you know, and, uh, you learn that, you know, reality is nobody cares your dad died. Get up. You know, uh, no, nobody cares that you're on food stamps. Get up. And so um, that's been one thing that I kind of took with me and, and tried to instill in, into my kid and uh, into our players is that life doesn't care about your problems. You know, no, nobody cares uh, in the grand scheme about about what you're what you're going through. You have to keep getting up. And so that's uh, that's just been one of my you know my mantras from 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 a very young age. And. I'm glad now that I can kind of understand that I don't know it all, that I don't have it all figured out because for a long time I thought I did. Um, I, I thought that I knew, you know, everything there was to know about everything. And like I say, that's probably about the time you guys were coming through. Right. And, uh, luckily, <clears throat> luckily God kind of opened my eyes and said, Hey man, you're just a manager. You know, you just get to manage these things that I give you because they were playing baseball in Blacksburg long before I got there. And they'll be playing long after I'm gone. And so I'm just getting to be a part of it right now. And I'm just uh, enjoying the ride. So so uh, kind of elaborate, you know, on how you ended up in Blacksburg. You told me the other night when we were talking, and I didn't know this, that when you graduated from Limestone, you played one year of baseball there. And yeah. uh, when you graduated from Limestone, you were actually offered a job at Woodruff. Yeah. So you decided so, to come to Blacksburg. Yeah. So what happened was um, – I did my student teaching at Blacksburg under a guy who actually coached me, Coach Blaine Carter, and um, he he was going through getting his master's at the time. He was trying to get into the administration side of education, and um, he he ended up getting a job at um, I want to say at the uh, CTC late um, late in the in the high, you know like I want to say like June, and so out of the gate, you know, I didn't have anything. So I was applying for different places and trying to get in and coach Lawson who his son plays at uh, South Carolina now, Graham, but um, he's a pitcher for their baseball team. But, uh, but coach Lawson offered me a job and they, they wanted me to, to coach uh, soccer and, um, and to teach PE. And then, and it was the weight side of PE. So basically I would have been managing the weight room for their general ed, you know, general PE kids and um so i went up there and i kind of toured the campus and i, I went in i actually got to go, go in coach varner's office and at that time was still alive but um that was just a real surreal thing to see greatness you know uh his office was still untouched it was exactly how he left it when he left and you know he's a legendary guy over there but it was awesome and so i kind of knew at that point they were serious about hiring me um and i came home and <clears throat> kind of, uh, I got on the phone with coach Touchberry, who was at the, at that time, the principal at the high school. And I told him, I said, uh, you know, Woodruff offered me a job today. Um, I was going to see how things were going with coach Carter's, you know, job. And he said, he said, well, I can't really tell you not to take it. He said, but I feel good. If you didn't, you would be okay. 
And so I've known Coach Touchberry a long time, have a lot of respect for him. And so I kind of felt like he was telling me, hey, I got you, you know, uh, without being able to without being able to say that. And so um, I I, I went um, and they called me again and said, hey, we want you to want you to come over to the district office and meet today and sign a contract. And I was like, um, I'm going to have to say thanks, but no thanks. And so I ended up at, uh, at Blacksburg and the rest, I guess they say is history, but yeah, they, they wanted me to coach soccer. And I told that guy in the, in the meeting, I was like, dude, I, I never even played FIFA world cup on Xbox, you know, like I got no idea. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, look, he said, we'll hire somebody to teach the skill set." He said, we need someone to manage, manage the team. He said, get us the ball games, make sure the jerseys are clean, make sure the kids show up and work. And I said, so basically you want me to hold a clipboard. And he was like, he was like, well, if that's how you see it, he said, but really we just want a guy who's going to, you know, manage our team and make sure we do a great job. And I said, yeah, I, I got you. So, uh, and, and I ended up, you know, not taking it, but, but, uh, you, you know, you, you always think what could have been and, Woodruff's a great school. It's a great community. There's a lot of support there for their athletics and, you know, and their, their baseball job has since opened up three or four times since, uh, since I took the job at Blacksburg. And so, you know, who knows what could have been, but, uh, I believe I'm, you know, things happen for a reason and God put me where he wanted me. So things have, like I say, they've worked out. So, so you were originally offered a job coaching soccer, but what did you, what did you start out with at Blacksburg? Then you, you started out with football, right? Yeah, so I was. Uh, they hired me on as the uh, as as a JV football coach, just to coach JV. But you know, in, at small schools, you kind of have to you coach JV and you do something on Friday nights with the varsity. Uh, right. And then and then later on, I got a uh, well later that year, they hired me to be the head JV baseball coach um, under Coach Elliott. And so I coached JV baseball and JV football for the first, I guess. Uh, three years, maybe three years before I got moved up to the varsity level. So, okay. I want to say that you and I probably got there about the same time. Cause I didn't go to middle school or anything at Blacksburg. I, I transferred in my ninth grade year. And I remember you were, it was you and coach McGill. I want to say, and coach Rice. Yeah. The yeah. whole JV deal. When I came through. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was yeah. That would have been 2008, I believe 2008. Yeah. yeah I, I started there in 2008, 2009, because I graduated in 11. Yep, yep. So that would have been my first year in, I believe. 07, 08 was my first year. So. Right. I was just trying to get kind of a little bit of a timeline there. Uh, yeah. about that. You know, one thing I, I really want to talk about, like, since your time there and becoming a head coach and uh, from Blacksburg and all that, so you kind of understand the community and, where people can sometimes get trapped in the small town mentality at a place like Blacksburg, but uh, you've kind of changed the culture a little bit, even though you're not a head football coach and uh, you are a head baseball coach, you, you've kind of changed the culture a little bit surrounding Blacksburg athletics. And I, I attribute that mostly to you, not that, not that coach Chisholm or uh, coach Ham or whoever hasn't had a part in that. Cause I'm sure they have, but I, it's almost like you've kind of took the lead on that. So, Kind of explain that to me, like, did is that something that you just decided to do, or is it something that just kind of came with the territory, kind of turning the culture from oh, you know, old Blacksburg, you know, now to we're kind of kind of expected to be good at a lot of sports now, uh, especially football and baseball. So, yeah, well, you know, we, we've had we've had dudes, man, and, and 
and, and like I say, nobody, no, no one guy is ever going to do anything on his own. And if he if he tells you that, he's a liar because it takes it takes good it takes good athletes. It takes uh, great administration. You know, we've been blessed with 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 stellar principals who stand behind us and and uh, back up what we do. It takes great assistant coaches. Um, and so for me to say, oh, you know, I, I've done this on my own or I've, 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 you know, been able to do anything on my own, I think would be a falsehood. But um, as far as as far as changing culture, you know, when I when I grew up, uh all our football team ever did was win when I played. Um, when I, you know, from JV, we won two region championships in JV. And then my 10th grade year, we finished region runner up. And then my junior and senior year, we won the region, played in the second, second rounds of the playoffs and uh, came up short my senior year. We had, we were undefeated, went 11 and 0 and ended up uh, finishing 11 and 1 in the second round of playoffs. But like all I ever did was win. Um, and so when I came back, you know, I didn't understand why people thought it was just okay to be okay. Um, you know, even even with winning district championships in baseball, people see me and they say, you know, great run. But, like, we weren't after a district championship. You know, like, th- those things are great, but that's not what we were – that's not that's not why we're, we're in June lifting weights to win a district. You know, we're, we're, we're lifting in June – and we're we're lifting throughout the year, and we got kids in ba- in, cl- in weight in the weight room and out on the baseball field throwing and running and working to go win a state. And uh, you know, until we've done that, we haven't done anything. And so, I've just never been okay in my personal life, uh, or, or you know, in, in any walk of life. Be- I've never been okay with being okay. And I kind of felt like when I got here, that was kind of the mantra of it's okay. You know, if you can can win ten ball games and make the playoffs, and then lose in the playoffs, and then the next year do the same thing. You know, as far as baseball is concerned, um, I, I've never felt like that. And so, uh, as far as the the culture is concerned, I think a lot of it has been centered around making our kids work. And it's harder when you work for something; it's harder to give it up. You know, and, and just lay down. And so. Um, but again, you know, we've had kids like Elijah Rogers and, and Jordan Rogers and, and Perm and, uh, you know, Wiz. I mean, dudes that, that can play the game. And uh, when, when you have those kids and then you put that with some leadership like we've got in place and then you put that with a work ethic that, you know, I'm not going to let them slack off in the weight room. They're going to work. Um, then all those things culminate to having a, a positive culture and, um, you know, we care about our kids, too. Um, that, that's another part is, that, you know, I care about our kids as a person uh, just as much as I care about them going to perform. And, and when kids understand that, it's easier for them to say, hey, I'll go play for this guy or I'll do what he's asking me to do because I legit care about them as, as people. You know, like I, I've had kids come up to me and say, you know, what should I do about having surgery? Should I, should I go ahead and have surgery? Should I go ahead? Should I try to tape it and play? You know, and if they'll put that kind of trust in me to ask me about their general well-being, you know, that's that's kind of where I want to be. And so um, my question, my answer is always like, take care of you first. You know, I mean, let's don't worry about don't worry about having having surgery, missing a season. If the doctor says you need to do it, then let's go with that, because since I've had a little boy, I kind of my eyes have kind of been open to a different way of coaching. You know, since 09, I think uh, I've kind of, you know, it's kind of opened my eyes to, you know, I want to coach our kids the way I want somebody to coach mine. And so 
Um, so, yeah, as far as me doing it all by myself, I think that's, you know, I appreciate that a lot. But uh, reality is that there have been some really good, really good people in place and, and, and still are in place at, at Blacksburg that have, have attributed to that. And, again, it comes back to having guys, and we've had them. So. Right. Uh, I want to read something to you. This is this is as funny as it is uh, kind of enlightening with that, you know. And I understand you haven't done it by yourself, and even if you had, you'd never claim it. But uh, so this, this is from Twitter, and I know that social media is the devil. Right. <laughs> but unnamed Blacks, former Blacksburg player says, Blacksburg, Cherokee County needs to pay Coach B a whole M. Let him run the football and baseball program. I don't care what nobody says. Best coach I ever had. Ain't no doubt he could do exactly what he's doing with the baseball program with the football program. Unnamed current Blacksburg player, baseball player says, this really is true. Shows the ways of the game and life. I love that man. Another unnamed current Blacksburg player says, say that a little louder for the people in the back. Unnamed. <laughs> Blacksburg resident says, come on, man, a whole M? That's right. That man raises boys to men. The W's just come with the territory. I said M, as in million, six zeros, big check. (laughs) (laughs) Hearing people that played for you and currently play for you think that how are you? What does that do to you? Because like you said, you know, when when you and I first met, you were a little bit arrogant. I mean, you admit that, so I've never thought you said and and now you're so grounded, but that has to make you feel good. You hear people say something like that. We know you're not gonna make a million dollars right through a ball, but yeah, I'm for sure you wish you could. But how does that make you? How does that make you feel hearing stuff like that? I mean, it it makes you it makes you think that you're doing something right when when guys buy in, even even if they're no longer a part. You know, sometimes kids will say things because they feel like how it, it will affect their current situation. Uh, but when guys move on and they really don't have a dog in the fight and they still think that, um, I mean, it's, it's a it's a good feeling to know that you at least did something right. And, uh, you know, like you said, we're not going to not going to get paid a million dollars. And, you know, the reality is, is that being an offense coordinator, you have a, a huge part every Friday night in, in what goes on out there. And so, and, and being the, the strength coach, I've kind of got my hand in that. And then being the baseball coach, you know, I, you know, I, I would say that, that I have just as much effect right now as I would if, if they named me head whatever, you know. But, uh, but Coach Chisholm does a great job. And he's, um, I, I, you know, putting me in charge of the offense and, uh, and allowing me to, to kind of have free reign has been huge for me just because, you know, um, when I first took over, I was kind of just going to be the passing coordinator and wasn't real sure about how that was going to look. You know, like um, I knew what it entailed, but I didn't know how it was going to actually work on a Friday night. And then uh, the more we went and the more rain he gave me and I ended up, you know, we get through the preseason and he's letting me call all the plays. And so, um, you know, him believing in me uh, when I've applied at certain places and, and nobody else would. Uh, I, you know, I think some of that goes back to us being assistants together, but him believing in me and giving me a shot, um, to call plays, um, and, and, and to kind of like stay with me because I remember we were at Chesney last year and we're down 20 to nothing. And, um, at at halftime and and he's like, you know, we got one more series and we're going back to the wing. 
And so my, you know, my back was kind of up against the wall there, uh, on that, on that, on that drive. And we go, we start going tempo. We hit a couple big runs, a few pass plays. Uh, we got them, we got them reeling, man. We're, we're going, we're going fast paced. Like we're snapping the ball with like 23 seconds left on the play clock. And, um, you know, they're, they're gassed. They end up having to call a timeout, come out of a timeout and we, 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 uh, punch it in. And so, you know, uh, we end up going on to win that ball game 21-20. And um, like I say, it's it, it's great to hear when you got guys who have played or, or who know you and, and have been close to the program that they think highly of you. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, not, not going to be making that much money uh, doing what I do for sure. Right. Uh, you know, you talked about your little boy, and I know he was screaming in the background a minute ago and all, which, yeah. which is fine. But uh, – you talked about how he changed your outlook at coaching to where yeah. you wanted to coach guys the way you would want Xander to be coached. I have mm-hmm. a few questions as far as you being a father because I'm my little boy's too, so I'm still kind of new to being a father and stuff like that. But how, how has being a father changed you as a coach other than that? Um, well, you know, when you have a kid, it kind of – it kind of puts a personal feel on every guy that you, you touch, you know, every guy that you get to, to coach, uh, because you can, you can relate to the struggles that you had growing up and then the struggles that you see your kid dealing with. And then these kids are the same type of people, you know? And so, um, reality is we're all, we're all just kids from Blacksburg and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm no different in that regard. Um, and so, I think if anything, a lot of times we get compared to surrounding areas and we don't have the infrastructure. We don't have some of the, uh, uh, the options, I guess you'd say that some of the other kids around us have. And so, uh, it, you know, when Xander came along, it, if, it, if anything, it kind of softened me up a little bit because I used to be a little bit, uh, more, more outspoken, a little bit more, um, you know, I could fly off the handle a little bit easier than I can, I do now. And, um, I, I think he, he brought a lot of that just in the fact that, um, you know, kids don't always get it the first time you tell them and, uh, you know, telling them ain't coaching them. And so when you, when you coach somebody, you show them, you tell them, you make them do it, you rep it, you rep it, you know, and, and that's coaching. Not, uh, when I first took over, uh, or when I first started, I thought, you know, I tell a kid two times to do something, he should have it figured out by now. And so if there's anything that I've learned through, through Xander is that's not the case, um, and so, uh, you know, if anything, he's given me more patience and he's given me more um, uh, stick to itness, I guess you could say, and, and, right. and, and after him. Um, and, and that's bled over into what I do. You know, uh, high school kids, man, they've got a lot of stuff. They deal with a lot of issues. You know, some of them uh, not real sure where they're staying tonight. And, and, and it's frustrating to me looking back that I used to act that way when I went through that same exact thing, you know, the – uh, you know, sometimes I didn't know where we were getting uh, our next meal. And uh, to have that on your mind while coach is trying to get you to run, you know, a slug route, um, that's tough, you know. And so um, that's been that's been one thing that, that having Xander gave me a whole lot more patience, I would say, for sure. Right. Um, you know, this is my next question in regards to Xander and stuff there. How does – when I know Xander plays baseball, I don't know what else he plays. He may play more sports than just baseball. But uh, when you go to a baseball game, because I know 
when we first started talking about doing this, it took me a little longer to get everything straightened out and all the way that I wanted to do it because I didn't want to halfway do it. Right. And uh, we talked about doing it. You told me you said, I'm kind of busy. Now the season's over before football starts because Xander has baseball games and stuff like that. So, which I understood, and I still had a lot more work to do. But when you go and you watch Xander play baseball and stuff like that after the season's over, like you got to this year, mm-hmm. when you show up to his baseball games, are, are you just Xander's dad that drives the the cool looking forerunner, or are you are you still Coach B, or how how do you try to approach that? You know, that's been something that I've struggled with. Um, I mean, I'm 100% Xander's dad, but, you know, you also get that from the from the other coaches uh, in the Little League that kind of want you to step in and help, um, which, you know, if I had a guy, um, you know, that, that would be willing to, to come in and, you know, let's say he's coached at the collegiate level for 20 years or whatever and, and his kid's playing on my team, I mean – I would want his, you know, his insight on things. And, uh, and so I get it. Um, but you know, I just try, I try to distance myself because just by, just by my presence, I put pressure on my kid and it's not something that I try to do. It's just reality. It's, you know, um, young kids, they always want to impress their dad. And, uh, and this was his first year up in kid pitch. And so he pitched some and, uh, his very first start, uh, my staff uh, let me go watch. They, we had a we had a a fundraiser and they kind of manned it for me while I got to go watch him play and that was that was huge. But I kind of snuck in um, and I didn't even let him know I was there to the third inning. And uh, he went uh, he walked his first guy. They stole second and third and end up scoring. And then he strikes two guys out and gets a comebacker and gets out of the inning. So. Um, he, he had a great first outing, but yeah, I try to be Xander's dad, um, as much as I can. I'll keep the book, you know, I'll keep up with pitch counts and I'll kind of manage that rule side of things. But, um, other than that, I try to stay low key. I've, I've had to coach first a couple times just cause they didn't have anybody. Um, you know, with it being, with it being little league, it's volunteer basis. And so some people have to work, you know, and they can't be there. Um, but it, it's fun it's fun to be that, you know, to be on that side of it and to kind of have, um, have the time to sit back and say, you know, I'm just here to watch him play. And one thing that's tough is on the way home is trying to just tell him, Hey man, I'm proud of you. Uh, I like watching you play the game, um, versus me trying to correct every little thing he did wrong. You know, you don't ever want to get that stigma of every time he goes and plays a game, I'm telling him all the, you know, a laundry list of things that he needs to fix. And so, um, and that's tough because that's what my job entails, you know, with the high school guys is, you know, I tell, you know, post game meeting, we talk about everything we did wrong. The next day of practice, we try to fix everything we did wrong. And, um, to have a kid and to be able to just say, man, I, I enjoy watching you play the game. That's tough, but, uh, I think it's necessary. So, but yeah. Right. That, that was one thing that I really wanted because you're, you always have been ultra competitive ever since I met you. So. I wondered how you translated that to to not being a coach of his team and stuff like that because uh, and you're right you know everyone wants to impress their dad. I, I remember when Ryan was playing football for you and you guys made that one deep run in the playoffs and lost to Chesney and stuff. Um, I lived in North Carolina at the time and I I would come home every Friday. I had my work schedule worked out. I would get off my my delivery and sales route and leave 
probably 12, 1 o'clock. That way I could get home for all Ryan's games, home or away. And mm-hmm. I remember I would always kind of meet him outside the locker room because he would go do his thing and I would go do my thing after the game. And the first thing he would always say to me was when I when he walked out, he would always say, thanks for coming. The second thing he would say was, how pissed is daddy? So yeah. <laughs> I, understand, I understand that. So, yeah. uh, but one more thing in regards to that, and we're starting to run short on time, so I want to wrap it up here pretty quick. Yeah. But, uh, you know, how do you manage? Because you're, you're coaching year-round. Like, you're, you don't just coach baseball and uh, weightlifting throughout the year a little bit, and that's it. Like, you, you just finished baseball. You had a little bit of downtime. You just told me you guys just got back from a, a 707 uh, today. You have a yeah. 707, you said, uh, tomorrow and later this week, correct? And, mm-hmm. uh, so how do you bounce? Because you're married and you have Xander. How do you bounce your wife and Xander? And how do you bounce family with your work and coaching? Because, I mean, obviously sports is your life and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like you said, you have to come home and be Xander's dad and uh, Jennifer's husband. So yeah, how, uh- how do you bounce that? Well, you know, I'm I'm married to a lady who um, she gets it and she understands that, you know, there's going to be times when I can't be there. And she also understands that, you know, during during football season, she's not going to see me a lot. Um, and, and during baseball season, she's not going to see me a lot. And, um, you know, we try to we try to set aside Saturdays um, in football season. That's a little more difficult because Saturdays is my only day to prepare. Uh, because Sundays we meet as a staff and I kind of have to have my ducks in a row and understand what we're going to get going in. Um, so what I try to do is, you know, no matter how late we get home Friday night, um, I try to get up around seven thirty, eight o'clock on Saturday. And I try to get started on game planning for the next week. And I try to be done by one o'clock. And, uh, sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but I try to be done by one. And then from one o'clock, um, you know, until Sunday, I, I'm, I'm there, you know, I don't, I don't go play golf during football season. Uh, I don't go hunting, um, because of my job and what it entails. I, I make an effort to be there for them the day that I can be there. And, uh, you know, in baseball season, it's, it's easier, um, as far as me being able to get free and get over there because yeah, we play three nights a week, but sometimes we play at home and they play at home. Um, you know, some nights we practice and they've got a, they've got a game. And so I can kind of get free after our practice is over. But, uh, you know, just to kind of answer the question, um, I don't spend a lot of time at home, but my wife understands what I do. Um, and, uh, she's bought into being a coach's wife and she knows every night, you know, uh, what's, what's in store. And, you know, we also, we communicate, you know, we talk, um, I try to be up front. When I get a schedule, I forward it to her. So she knows what's going on. You know, uh, when I get a summer calendar from Coach Chisholm that says, okay, these are what we're, this is what we're doing the month of June, then that's what we do. And uh, as soon as I get it, I send it to her and say, hey, these are the dates. I won't be in town this week, this week. We've got camp this week, this week. And we, we she kind of plans around that, you know, and um, she's a saint. You know, that that helps a lot to, to be when somebody who you're married to buys into uh, into the coaching lifestyle just as much, you know. So, um, but it's, it, yeah, I, I guess as far as being Xander's dad and being her husband, they just understand there's not, there's a lot of times, you know, that, that daddy won't be around. And so um, now Xander's kind of getting to the age where he can kind of come and hang out. And that's been fun, you know, to have him. Uh, he comes to practice some when he's not 
when he's not playing and um and so that's that's helped you know to have him to have him there to have him around and uh be part of what we're doing right um uh, one thing i want to ask too you know like your wife and i i see her you know at the baseball game she waiting for you outside the dugout and stuff uh and it's obvious that she has bought into being a coach's wife what and I can see too from your social media and knowing you, it's almost like uh, she's not just your wife; she's kind of your best friend and kind of your partner in crime and stuff. You know, uh, how does right. having having someone so in tune to what you do for a living and what is important to you? How how does that help you? Like after the playoff loss to Andrew Jackson and stuff like that, coming home to your wife and knowing, like, hey, regardless, win, lose, or draw, she's got my back. How, how yeah. does that help you? Uh, it's a it's a big deal, you know. When you win, everybody tells you how good you did. Uh, when you have successful seasons, everybody tells you how good you did. But you know the the two years where I think one year we won seven ball games, uh, the next year we won five ball games. Um, so you win twelve games in two years, and uh, she's still there. You know when everybody else when everybody else is quit coming to watch when everybody else is talking about how bad of a coach you are. Um, she's still there and she's still pulling for you and she's still, uh, got your back. And so, uh, it's, that's been huge because a lot of people think, well, she's there in the uptimes, but really, uh, the downtimes is when, you know, she's, she's been there the most and, and helped me to, uh, kind of keep, keep the faith. And, um, you know, when you're winning, it's easy. It, it's, I, I kind of relate it to, to driving a car. You know, when you're winning, you're just trying to hold it in the road. You know, like you're you try not to wreck it. Um, just keep it in the road. Keep 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 man- managing what you're doing and keep winning. When you're losing, man, you're scrambling. You know, you're trying to find any and everything you can to work. And so your your practice habits may change. The way you practice may change. The way you you teach one skill aspect may change because you're trying to do whatever to figure out how to win. Um, and because each team's different. And so uh, she's the type of person who she's there even when we're losing. And, um, you know, that ain't, that's not the case with the average fan. The minute we start losing, the, the crowds go away. And so, uh, but, yes, but she's been paramount in, uh, in helping me kind of stay. She also helps me stay grounded, but to, but to stay, you know, to stay confident too. So, Right. Um, you know, You've been successful. You've been at this for a while now. You said uh, we're kind of backtracking and found your first year there was 2008. Uh, it's 2019 now, so you're at 10 plus years here. What's mm-hmm. uh, and you just graduated in 2013? I say just graduated, but yeah. 2013 you graduated from uh, Gardner Webb and got your master's, like we talked yeah. about. Uh, and you told me that you got that to kind of go into the administration part of. Yeah teaching and coaching and stuff later on. Uh, mm-hmm. So what's your career goal here? What, what's your end game in sports as, as far as like Blacksburg and your coaching career and all is concerned? Yeah. You know, uh, I want to, I want to coach as long as I can. Um, you know, my dad died at 38. And so I don't know, you know, I'm just thankful every day that I got another day. Um, I don't, I don't know how long I got here, how long God's going to let me manage things, but um I just want to go out and, and coach and, and kind of <clears throat> really just try and help raise kids, man, and try to make kids into grown men and um, and hopefully be the person that I needed at their age. You know, hopefully I can go out there and do that. And, um, 
I feel like when it's my time to move on, uh, you know, when the games kind of pass me by, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm unwilling to kind of change and, and, and do things or look at things from a different perspective, then it's time for me to go. And because uh, if, if there's one thing coaching has taught me is that I don't know everything. And uh, there's a lot, a lot of different ways to do a lot of different things. And um, so I, I've been around some guys who, when they get to a certain point in their career, they're like, this is the way it's done, even if it doesn't work. And, I, I, you know, I've always told myself, when I get to the point where I'm no longer making an impact, when I'm no longer getting the most out of my kids, and when I'm unwilling to change, then it's time for me to go. And so, you know, I feel like uh, when that time comes, God will let me know, and I'll move on. Um, but, you know, Xander's coming through. He's a he's nine. So, you know, in, in four years, uh, he'll be on our JV squad, I would hope. Um, you know, with him being left-handed, he's got a – pretty good arm uh at his age and if 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 it's even something he wants to do you know who knows if he wants to swim or play golf or you know be in the band or whatever I'll support him but um but he's coming through and so I'd like to think that I could make it through at least to when he's a he's you know a high school kid and uh that's always you know since he's been born that's been a thought of mine of it'd be awesome to be able to coach your kid and be on the same field and get to do some of the stuff that that I get to do with these kids and it'd be my guy, you know? So, um, but, but yeah, I think, you know, for me, I, I, as far as end games concerned, I want to do the best job I can do each and every day, man. And, and wherever that ends up, if that ends up winning state championship after state championship, that'd be great. If it just means turning dudes into uh, grown men when they leave, then that, that would be great too. And really, man, it, it has, for me, it has a lot to do with after a kid graduates, still trying to be, be in touch and, and try to you know maintain and monitor monitor those kids and, and being there if they ever need me. They they say once a wildcat always a wildcat, but for me that's one of those things where you know I legit mean that when our kids leave our program, they're still part of our program, and um, if they ever need me, they will they know where I'm at. So right. Um, well, I I really appreciate that. That this is a very honest answer. I kind of wondered, you know, if you if you were gonna try to stick around for Xander to come through and all that. I, and I can imagine that'd be kind of some satisfaction for you. You know, I've done this for so long and now I get to coach my kids. So, um, but one last thing I want to ask you, and this kind of veers way off topic from what our conversation has been. Is, uh, and I try to keep a little bit of current events in it, uh, yeah. in the podcast. And uh, I noticed in my first podcast with Jay Andrew, who you know very well, and you coached yeah. him, but uh, yeah, as long as we were talking and had our conversation, kind of like me and you did, it flowed really well, but, once we got into the current events of it, it was kind of forced and I didn't like it and I was very unhappy with myself, but uh, I can't talk to a baseball coach without talking about the college world series. What, uh, and I know we talked about it a little bit texting the other night. Uh, what, what are kind of your thoughts on it as far as uh, what you expect out of the college world series? I know the the winner's brackets kind of narrowed down to three teams, Mississippi state Vanderbilt and Michigan won last night against Florida state. Do you, do you have a pick for that? Or do you have kind of like, <laughs> key to victory for someone or what just what are your thoughts on in general yeah so uh, I think it's I think it's hard it's gonna be hard to beat Vanderbilt man I you know um that they're just they're loaded as far as talent's concerned I mean their lineup you you look at their lineup there I think they're like 55 and 11 or something uh of course Mississippi State's no slouch I mean they've won I think they've won 52 uh and, and lost 13 so um not to say that they're they're not good 
But when you look at Vanderbilt, and I think Rocker's going tonight. Uh, I think that game's postponed right now. But um, yep. with Rocker going tonight, uh, you know, obviously don't expect him to step out there and throw another no-hitter. But when you look at what he's capable of as far as his physical stature and just being a flat-out athlete, uh, I think Vandy Boy is going to be hard to beat. Um, I, I was really hoping – uh, for Coach Martin and Florida State, that they would be able to to come out and, and win one for him, you know, the, that would be kind of a storybook ending. And and I guess they're obviously they're not out, so I guess they still got just as good a shot. But when you talk about being behind the eight ball, man, they they are. And uh, and so uh, you know, I think my pick going in, uh, of course, Vanderbilt's head coach got a little bit of hometown ties, being being from Clemson. Uh, he was on the coaching staff with Coach Leggett, but. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I just like, you know, they're, they're that black in Vegas. And uh, I've always liked how they went about their business. They're, uh, you know, very businesslike in, in the way they approach the game. They do it the right way. They play with a lot of emotion. And their coach puts a lot of emphasis also on developing men. And so uh, I've always kind of been a fan of their baseball program. Uh, obviously, I'm a Clemson guy. So, you know, I'm, I'm a Clemson fan through and through. But but you can you can also have a mutual respect and an admiration for somebody from afar, and that's kind of where I've been with Vanderbilt. And I think I think they got a really good shot um, to win this thing. So, All right. Uh, let me ask you one last thing too. This is kind of from a coaching standpoint, but still looks at that. Uh, you know, oh, we were talking the other night when we were lining all this up about Auburn. They blew a three-run lead in the ninth to mm-hmm. Mississippi State, and we both know and you know probably more so than I do, how much it kind of puts you behind when yeah. you lose in a double elimination tournament like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a coach for Auburn or you're the head coach, like how, do, how do you – and right now they're in a rain delay game and they're down 4-1 to one to Louisville. Yeah. But uh, is it – I guess it's possible, but how do, you, how do you rebound from that? Like choked away a win that would have put you really – uh, in a really good spot to try to win it all, and then now your backs are against the wall. You got to win every game, or you're out. And, yeah, uh, and you did it in a way that you had the ball game won. So, right, yeah, you know, in, in baseball, uh, there's so many opportunities to teach a kid about life, and um, and and that's reality. I mean, you can be in life thinking you're doing great, things are going great, you know. Um, got it all figured out, no problems, and then your kid gets sick. Or, uh, you know, things are going great, no problems, and then somebody in your family is diagnosed with, with cancer or whatever. And so baseball teaches you so much about the game of life um, that you really don't have time to stop and feel sorry for yourself because this thing's still going on, you know. Um, whatever the next situation is, like, you know, with our kids, we always talk about next pitch. We, we talk about keeping a windshield mentality. And uh, there's a reason why they put little bitty rear views and huge windshields. And that's because the things in front of you are a whole lot more important than the things behind you. And so when you lose the game, you lost, you know, let's accept it for what it was. The game should have been won. It wasn't. And, and let's move on. But, you know, Auburn, I think they've lost 27 ball games. So um, they know know what it's like to lose. And so it's, you know, uh, some people would say they shouldn't even be there, Um, but they did what it took. And they had they had the game won, and they didn't win. Um, so let's put it behind us. Let's move on. Let's go play the next one. And so uh, you know they ran into a red hot Louisville team too, who's who, who can flat play. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that one shakes out when the rain moves through. 
And uh, last question, this is how I'm going to close it out. What's, uh, we talked a lot about baseball, and uh, I think we could both sit here and talk about baseball all day because I just love the sport of baseball in general. But what's, uh, you know, football's coming up. You just finished past camp today. You got seven on sevens the rest of the week. Yeah. What, what's football looking like this year? Um, you know, we're, we're athletic, man. We, uh, we have a lot of kids who, who are, who are capable. Um, you know, we graduated a ton of kids up front last year, guys that are moving on. Some of them are going on playing at the next level. Uh, some, you know, some are just moving on, but, uh, but when you talk about losing, I think we lost, uh, we lost our, our left guard. We lost our center. Um, we lost our right tackle. Uh, and, uh, and so when you, when you kind of put all that together and you lose three of your five dudes and now, um, you're having to replace them, it's not an easy feat, you know, it's something that we're going to have to work to do. Uh, kids have got to get stronger. Um, and they also have to learn, they have to learn what it is we're wanting them to do, you know? Um, and so we're capable, uh, but we, we've got work to do and, uh, looked a lot better today at our, well, this was our second seven on seven. We go to Carolina on Thursday, um, and so, you know, got a lot of kids who are capable and a lot of kids who are talented athletically. And so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if we can put it together. Um, Going to have to coach hard and, uh, and, you know, continue to work in the weight room and get stronger and get better uh, in the offseason and, and try to get them into shape because it hadn't been hot yet. So that's always the tale, you know, when you walk out there and, and it's 90 plus and they're having to wear them helmets and fly around, you know, uh, that sound will make a coward out of a lot of people. And so it'll be interesting to see, but I'm excited about it. You know, second year, being able to call the plays and, and do do what we've done, you know, last year we went, I think we finished six and six and five and uh, made the playoffs again. And um, in the conference we're in, that's a feat in and of itself with the type of teams that we see night in and night out, you know, um, with Southside Christian and those types of teams, they're just land rooms and, Christ churches of the world, they're loaded. So it's it's fun to get to go play, and hopefully we can put it together, man. I'm excited about it. Right. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on, Coach, and I, uh, I really appreciate this conversation. It, I, whenever I get to listen to it, listen back and edit it and all that, I, I really hope that uh, it's as good as I felt like it was, and I really enjoyed it, and I hope you'll come on sometime maybe toward the end of football season if everything's going good and uh, all that. But I really appreciate it, and thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me, Bo. I appreciate you uh, what you're trying to do uh, for for especially for high school athletics and being a, being around it and being a part of it and kind of giving them a voice and a, and a platform. So I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate uh, all all that you've done. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh huh. There it is. It's a wrap. Awesome conversation that I had with Coach Josh Bachelor. So far, like I said, I think it's the best one that we've done. Really enjoyed it. Hope you guys do as well. Um, want to go ahead and lay out a few things for you. Right now, we are available on Breaker. We're available on Pocket Cast. We're available on Google Podcasts. Finally, we've been available on Spotify since day one. And, of course, we're available on Breaker. Breaker is the app in which I make these podcasts with. It's really cool. It's really fun. You can click on the link where I share the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, what have you. Just click on that right then. Go from there. You can find it uh, that way. You can search on Anchor. There's plenty of other podcasts worth listening to on Anchor as well. Um, if, if you like what you've been hearing, uh, leave us a five-star rating. Uh, leave us a review. 
if there's something I can improve on, tell us. If you're not very big on what you've been hearing, you know, consider the source.